0: Is it time for an official Jewish History Month? I think so. But what would that look like? The Knesset Hashloch is in full swing. Why 4,000 Jewish women are in Crown Heights, Brooklyn this weekend, and what's on their shopping lists. And go big or go home. The host of The maki Show is here with some big news about Season 2. They are filming on location. More about that on the Weekly Squeeze. This is Episode 84 Of your favorite podcast, I am your lovely, humble, and talented host, Hanala Music, coming at you from the land of Israel. All right, it's officially Black History Month. What is Black History Month, you might be asking yourself? Well, Black History Month is a time to celebrate the African-American community uh, by recognizing the contributions and the achievements that they made in our country's history It was officially created in 1926 by historian Carter G. Woodson, and it's celebrated every February for 30 days, wait, 29 days. Uh, The purpose of Black History Month is, you know, to educate and raise awareness about the significant role that the African-Americans have played in shaping American history, our culture, our society, and our music. (laughs) Much to my dismay, I'm not a fan of hip-hop and rap, but regardless... It's also a time to celebrate the contributions made by individuals to their communities. Um, Obviously, the black community has had struggles. There are still ongoing struggles. And when we work together, we can help them with a little bit more understanding and empathy. Which begs the question, considering that the Jewish people are being targeted and beat up and harassed and abused online and off, Why isn't there a Jewish history month in America? Why isn't there a month-long celebration, a recognition of the contributions that the Jews made to the United States of America? And there have been many, and it is because of the Jews that America is so successful in so many ways. We have played a major role in the development of American finance and commerce, and there's nothing to be ashamed about that. There's plenty of us who are still completely broke. But there are Jews who are super rich and who have contributed to this economy and, and created companies like, yeah, Goldman Sachs and the Lehman Brothers and even Sears. Okay, so call it a vote to the Jews for being successful and improving the lives of their fellow Americans in doing so. And then there's science and technology. You know, Jewish scientists and inventors. Um, We've made tremendous contributions to physics, chemistry, medicine, computer science. Albert Einstein and and Enrico Fermi were two of the greatest scientists of the 20th century. And they were Jews in America. And if you're an anti-Semite and you're listening and you're thinking, I don't want to celebrate Jews for being rich and smart, no problem. Let's celebrate Jews because we are talented. I mean, think about the Jewish directors and producers that have created some of the greatest films of all time. Jews have made a major impact on American culture through their contributions to the arts, theater, music, TV. I don't know why anyone's complaining. I mean, Americans have been enjoying the creativity and the imagination of their American Jewish brethren for decades now. Steven Spielberg, Leonard Bernstein, some of the greatest creative minds. And then you have the activists, you know, Betty Friedan, who wrote The Feminine Mystique, she ignited the, the second wave of feminism in the United States. So feminists should be celebrating Jewish History Month, okay? There is no reason that your politics should prevent you from celebrating the Jewish people and what we have contributed, because we're part of everything. I hate to break it to you. We are part of everything. We are part of the education We are part of the politics, we are part of the philanthropy, and yes, Jews have been leaders in American philanthropy. We support numerous organizations and causes and hospitals and museums, and we are not getting enough respect for it. Yes, the word is respect. If I have learned anything from Black History Month so far in the nine days that I have been celebrating it, it's that it is okay to demand respect, and the Jews are just simply used to being abused, abused and disrespected. And I think we need an entire month to celebrate and to promote understanding and respect for Jewish culture and heritage in all its forms. So I am officially putting this on the table, Jewish History Month next year. I'm not sure which month we should put it in. Maybe we should put it in the month of... (laughs) <laughs> it's a depressing, difficult month. We might as well have some balance, I suppose. All right. Speaking of people who change the world, famous Jews that need to be celebrated, this weekend is the anniversary of passing, the Yerzeit of Rebetzin Chayimushka, of Righteous Memory. She was the Labava Rebbe's wife. She led an intensely private life. Very few people had a relationship with her, and those who did kept it very private. But she simply did not want to be in the limelight. Um, For many, it wasn't until her funeral in 1988 that they realized the tremendous bond that she had with her husband, Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the incredible sacrifices she willingly made to help him um, to facilitate his devotion to the Jewish people. I mean, Lubavitch is the largest Jewish organization in the world. And it has been for many years. And thanks to her, the Rebbe was free to do what he needed to do and spend the hours that he needed to spend committed to the cause. And when people saw the Rebbe's raw emotions, when he was escorting her body to the cemetery, they recognized what a deep connection he had with her and how deeply he would be mourning her. And it was in her memory that in 1986, the Rebbe started giving dollars. That was when the Rebbe started to pass out freshly minted dollar bills to thousands of men, women, and children who lined up to receive his blessing. It's not about the dollar. It's about the tzedakah, the gesture. Um, and this you know, profoundly embodied the Rebbe's unique style of leadership. He was empowering every person to make a contribution however which way they could. I believe in you. Now you go believe in you. So that was all in the Rebitson's name, in her memory. And this weekend, there is a tremendous event taking place in Crown Heights, as it does every single year, where 4,000 Lubavitcher Shluchais flock to Crown Heights to celebrate the unity, the accomplishments, the joy and privilege that it is to be a Lubavitcher Shlucha representing the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and his holy wife. How do we celebrate? Well, we shop. That's definitely on the agenda. A lot of these Shluchais live in far-flung places where even Amazon doesn't deliver in a timely fashion. Could you imagine making such a commitment? The masiris nefesh that is required for a woman to move her children to a place where an Amazon delivery is not guaranteed. Okay, that is commitment, my friends. So the Kinser Shluchais, it's this annual convention held in Crown Heights every single year just for women. There are workshops, lectures, panel discussions, um, on a variety of topics, Jewish law, education, community building, outreach, and it's an amazing opportunity for the Lubavitcher women from all around the world to come together to connect and to celebrate their shlichus and to have a little fun, and to shop. There is a shop Ganza going on this weekend. I'm looking at some pictures. This is in the Razag Ballroom, where there are racks and racks of designer clothing starting as low as $7 a piece. This is not an advertisement. This is just me wishing that I was a shlucha because my kids are wearing Israeli polyester, shmatis, and here they have pastels, junies, Jonathan Simkai, I don't know who that is, Max Mara, Lafayette 148, Leo Anugo, and more, starting at seven dollars Wow. I miss America sometimes. I do. Another thing I miss is shopping on Kingston Avenue because they just have the best stuff. Lavagers just have the best stuff. I love Judaica world. I know the Shluchim are going to hit that store up for new books. Maybe they'll get their hands on the kids' book of challah that Rachi Pinson created, such a gorgeous book. She was on episode 69. That's it. I could spend thousands of dollars on books. Oh, there's also 100 Life Lessons I've Learned, so you don't have to. That book is actually available as an audiobook. I recorded it myself at a And This is from Rosalie, my dear friend, Rosalie Saltzman. Um, yeah, that was a nice book. So if you are still listening to this, Check that out. And of course, there's the cookbook of the year, Best of Kosher, the cookbook that created such a controversy for representing women as bowls. I spoke about that in episode 46. So that cookbook is probably going to fly off shelves because everybody loves it. So many beautiful Jewish books, honestly. 39 Things You Can Do on Shabbos. That's from Mosaic Press. I have a copy here. That's super cute. If you have long summer Shabbos afternoons you need to fill, highly recommend that. And then, of course, Kayla Goldstein's book, Questioning the Answers," also from Mosaic Press. Um, I had her on episode 49 with the non-Jewish nanny. You know what I'm noticing, by the way? Every time I have a pretty awesome guest on my show, everyone else has them too. I had the non-Jewish nanny, and then she was just all over the place. And then I had the Hearts. They are the cutest couple ever. They were recently on a number of other podcasts, which is fine. Uh, I'm not saying I mind being the one to break out talent, but I'm just saying most of the time I had the guests first, I think. (laughs) I could be wrong, but um, yeah. So yeah, Schlochheis are in town. They are buying shetels. They are buying socks. They are buying headbands. They are buying toys. They are buying books. They are buying CDs, albums, DVDs for their minivans. And the people in Crown Heights are loving every single second of it. The kinnis is big business for Crown Heights and beyond. So if you are a small business owner, you should definitely head towards Crown Heights with your stuff in a little satchel and sell it on a street corner just like they did in the shtetl. And according to Day, Crown Heights is the shtetl, okay? But it's not about the materialism. Let's be real. And that brings me to my next very sad story. I am devastated to bring you the news that the shlucha from the Virgin Islands, Henya Fetterman, a beloved and pioneering Chabad emissary, uh, she passed away yesterday at the age of 40, leaving behind 13 children. This is really, really devastating. She spoke at the Kinesash Luchais in 2006, and she shared, um, she said, we islanders call it rock fever. It's not easy to live on an island that's nine miles by three miles. It might be hard for someone living on the mainland to understand, but when you live on an island, the sight of a departing plane, even though it might be full of total strangers, can make you choke up. A cruise ship slowly drifting away can leave you with a heaviness inside. If you're ever feeling alone, she concluded, or wondering what you've achieved, just remember that you are part of a huge army and a close-knit family. Your role is unique and plays an integral part in bringing each Jew closer to Hashem. Wow. Well, as Henga's ship parts, we are left with an aching feeling in our hearts. And uh, all we can do is live on through her, share her warm light and love and influence on other people's lives. Do a good deed in her name today, and uh, just appreciate the things that you have and the life, the one precious life that we are given, and make the most of it. And don't, God forbid, ever think to yourself that today doesn't matter. Today matters, and tomorrow matters. Yesterday doesn't matter anymore. But today matters, and today, one more family is without a mother. So do a mitzvah today in honor of Henya Fetterman. May her memory be a blessing. This week's episode of the Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you from Swing It Playsets. Are you looking for a way to bring joy and excitement to your backyard? Look no further. We have an amazing sponsor this week. Swing It Playsets believes that every family deserves the opportunity to experience the fun and freedom of their own custom swing set. They offer affordable and customizable options to fit any backyard, any budget, and their skilled team will work with you to create the perfect swing set that fits your family's needs and preferences. From the number of swings to the height and design, you'll be able to create a unique and personalized swing set that your kids will love. Their prices are affordable. You'll never have to compromise on quality or safety. So what are you waiting for? Let Swing It Playsets help you create lasting memories and endless fun in your backyard. Head over to my show notes for a link so that you can get your customized quote and by this spring have a 20 year full service warranty on a beautiful playscape swing set that is crafted for a lifetime of free uninhibited play at swing it they don't just build play sets they compose beautiful outdoor play environments designed to be enjoyed by you and your family for years to come head over to my show notes and order your swing set today Right, a nice piece of American Jewish news. Rachi Fryer has been appointed as a New York State Supreme Court judge, and that is amazing. She's a 57 year old Hasidic woman, um, the first ever Hasidic woman to hold this position, which is very inspiring to say the least. She started college at 30, she became a lawyer at 40, and a judge at 50. And she is also the founder of the nonprofit Ezras Nashim, an all female EMT and ambulance service aimed at serving women in Orthodox Jewish communities. According to Jew in the City, Allison Joseph's report, Judge Fryer will officially run for the Supreme Court position. And that is pretty incredible. That will make her the second Jewish female following Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg to be a Supreme Court justice in the highest court of the land. Really amazing. Wish her a tzlacha. We'll try to get around the show. No guarantees, though, because she is a little busier than me. And, and, and I don't think she's doing the laundry in her house, <laughs> which is fine. I'm just saying I'm not sure if she has time for podcasts or laundry. And there's only so much a woman can do if she wants to be sane. All right, speaking of mental health, if you've been online, I'm sure you've seen the footage coming out of Turkey. There's been a terrible earthquake. I, I actually awoke. I was awoken by my apartment shaking. And I knew right away it was an earthquake because I felt the earthquake in New York in 2011. Um, An earthquake that brought down my kitchen cabinets. Actually, my brother-in-law was in town and we felt the apartment shake and that was it. And then a couple hours later, the kitchen cabinets detached from the wall. So that was fun. Um, But obviously it's nothing compared to the huge humanitarian crisis unfolding now in Turkey. Israel has already sent four rescue delegations to dig through the rubble of thousands of collapsed homes and buildings. This is very reminiscent of the collapse of Surfside Towers, where my aunt and uncle passed away. Um, Their bodies were found 10 days after the building collapsed um, by the Israeli rescue delegations that came in and worked tirelessly to retrieve every last individual from the rubble. So now Israel has four rescue delegations in Turkey. Um, they're there with sleeping bags and tents and food rations and humanitarian equipment, working hard, working quickly to, to help, to be there, to help. Now Israel has sent missions to Mexico following the earthquakes in 1985 and 2017, Armenia in 1988, India 2001, Turkey back in 1999 and 2011, Sri Lanka following a 2004 earthquake and subsequent tsunami, Haiti, following the 2010 earthquake, Nepal, 2015, Albania, 2019. And unfortunately, the only thing we get are hate. Uh, journalist C.J. Whirlman, a anti-Semite, if I've ever met one, he says he, he compared the destruction brought on by these earthquakes to Israel's demolition of legal structures and homes of Palestine terrorists, saying that we are sending uh, humanitarian aid to assuage our guilty conscience, essentially. There's also people who are saying we caused the earthquake with a missile strike or some sort of weapon. Um, But yeah, this is just an opportunity for anti-Semites to exploit tragedy to be more anti-Semitic. This is nothing new, but we, as usual, are doing the right thing because we are a bastion of light. We are procurers of peace. We are contributors of compassion. We are distributors of (laughs) diapers. Baruch Hashem. Hashem should help them, and Turkey should have a giant Rifua shalema. All right, the Anti-Semite of the Week award goes to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is a podcast host. Um, he is extremely popular. He has a large following on social media. And yesterday, he got on his very popular show, and he began talking about the 2019 tweet by Elon Omer, where she wrote that pro-Israel votes in Congress were all about the Benjamins. She apologized for that tweet, um, but that was one of the reasons she was actually removed last week from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. But Joe Rogan, God bless him, defended the statement on his podcast, which, by the way, has 11 million listeners per episode, almost as much as the weekly squeeze. <laughs> it is the most popular podcast on Spotify's platform, okay? Okay. So he basically said, she's, she's talking about money. It's not an anti-Semitic statement. I, I don't think it is. Benjamins are money. You know, the idea that Jewish people are not into money is ridiculous. That's like saying Italians aren't into pizza. It's stupid. It's effing stupid, he said. Well, you know what's not stupid? The anti-Semitism that was produced because of the vast majority of the world believing these lies about Jews, the stereotype that Jews are greedy And that we're obsessed with money, and that we control the world's finances and the banking systems, that we use our wealth uh, to manipulate governments and economies. It is us, the Jews, who are rolling around in our gold coins and treasures, who are solely responsible for the financial crises and economic downturns. Um, And yeah, these accusations that Jews are exploiters who make money through unethical or criminal means are extremely, extremely dangerous. And while this stereotype has been um, persistent throughout history, you know Jews have always been associated with money, and then there were restrictions put on them, on their economic activity, and that made it even easier for leaders to position Jews as the cause of people's financial problems. And this led to the widespread depiction of Jews as unscrupulous, money-hungry, and working against the interests of honest citizens. And yes, it was reflected in literature and art too, including Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice, where the character Sherlock was depicted as greedy and unscrupulous. And now here we are in 2022, and Joe Rogan is on the anti-Semitic bandwagon, accusing the Jews of being obsessed with money. Now, the irony is that this stereotype could not be further from the truth. Um, According to a Pew Research report from 2016, American Jews are the highest-earning religious group in the U.S., but over half of them earn less than $99,000 per year, and 31% earn less than $49,000 a year. That's not a whole lot of money, especially if you have a minivan and tuition. So the facts are not there, but the stereotype still exists. People still believe that Jews are corrupted by a desire for money, and we use it to bribe people in power. And that's exactly what Kanye West said, and that's exactly what his weasel friend uh, Fuentes said, and that's why he is. Both of them are still banned from Twitter because that is not true. It's lies that hurt us. So basically, the idea that Jews control the finance, the media, politics—it's—it's it's not based in reality. Okay, there are some successful individuals that that might have a Jewish background, um, there. But and there have been a few Jewish politicians and and media executives that do bad things. But that's part of life. And the idea that Jews are trying to take over the world, it's just a, a complete false, nonsensical myth. That, by the way, was used to justify the pogroms and the Holocaust. I mean, that myth is in a document called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which until today is the most popular and best-selling book in the Arab world. Let's get into that for a minute. What is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? It is a book that children in Arab countries are still reading. There's a children's version of this anti-Semitic hoax, okay, that describes a secret a secret Jewish plan to control the world. It was first published in Russia in 1903, and it was quickly disseminated throughout Europe and, and the Middle East. It, it purports a meeting between Jewish leaders in where they plot to gain control of the world's economy, the media, and the governments. Um, it has been discredited as a forgery by numerous independent experts and organizations, but it remains a central text of anti-Semitism and continues to be widely circulated and used to incite hatred of Jews. Uh, the protocols continue to be used as propaganda in many parts of the world, particularly in the Middle East and Africa it has been translated into dozens of languages. And there's, like I said, a children's version of it that Arab um, youth study. So we have our work cut out for us, and it does not help when an American podcast host as popular as Joe Rogan goes down anti-Semitic Avenue. He's taking a stroll down anti-Semitic Avenue and not recognizing how dangerous That Baba Misa actually is. And the irony is that American Jews actually give more charity than any other community. The average Jewish household donates $2,526 to charity compared with $1,800 for Protestants and $1,100 for Catholics. Okay, Jews give more charity than any other religious groups. And the reason we do that is because of our education and our strong foundation uh, for charitable giving. Giving charity is something we we place a great emphasis on. We we believe that everyone was created in the image of God and deserves dignity and respect. And tzedakah is an obligation. It's an act of kindness and compassion. And it's going to help us repair the world and make it a better place. And that's something that we do and give generously. But when it comes to anti-Semitism, facts do not care about the Jews. Think about it this way. Okay, Here's a little joke. It's not so funny, but it is a joke. Two Jews pass a church where there's a sign, $100, if you convert today. So one guy says, hey, I'll I'll do that. I'll take $100 to convert. Goes into the church, and his Jewish friend waits outside. When the newly baptized Gentile comes out of the church, his Jewish friend says, no, did they give you the $100? And he turns to him and says, seriously, all you Jews think about is money. (laughs) This guy who converted for a hundred bucks as soon as he becomes a non-Jew starts using anti-Semitic tropes against his Jewish friend. All right. Listen, Jews are just smart. Jews are just smart, okay? That's we, we think ahead. We think ahead. We're people of the book. We are educated. We are highly educated. We value education. We prioritize education. And that gives us the advantage. We don't waste money on drugs, on women on stuff that are bad for us. We make good choices because we have values. Torah-led and sourced values. There's another joke. A Catholic, a Protestant, a Muslim, and a Jew were having a discussion during a dinner. The Catholic says, I have a lot of money. I'm going to buy Citibank. And the Protestant says, I am very wealthy, and I'm going to buy General Motors. The Muslim says, I am a fabulously rich prince. I am going to buy Microsoft. They all wait for the Jew to speak up. stirs his coffee, places his spoon neatly on the table, takes a sip of coffee, looks at them and says, I'm not selling. (laughs) All right. The thing is, we're not smart enough to figure out how to get rid of this blood libel because here it is happening again underneath our Noah's 11 million more people now subconsciously Are rolling that thought around their heads. Jews and money and money and Jews. Now, it just so happens to be that I personally have a plan to take over the world, but that really has nothing to do with my Judaism. That is completely personality based. Whether I make money or not, well, that's just an advantage that, you know, will help pay for things like the leaking roof in my apartment. It's been raining here for three days in my living room, like legit. So the fact that I want to take over the world, the fact that I want to have a podcast that's downloaded millions of times every week um, and have followers that are hanging on to my every word. Well, that's just because I want to push back on things that are false. And I want to be able to say, hey, Joe Rogan, this is Hanala here. I know you have 11 million listeners, but I have 50 million. <laughs> um, and yeah, now that I have my own network and I even have technology that helps me reach more listeners. I have Chalent Potts okay, that play my podcast. As soon as you throw in an onion, this week's episode starts to play. That's how advanced the technology is going to be created by the Weekly Squeeze podcast team. Choll Pots that play the Weekly Squeeze. <laughs> I just thought of that now. It might be a terrible idea. Um, it might be brilliant, but we'll see. Ultimately, I want to become the most successful podcaster of all time. And I'm not embarrassed to say it. And when that day comes soon, amir I will tell Joe Rogan from where... The fish makes pee pee. And that's just an Israeli expression that my husband uses. That's not racist because it doesn't involve people, and fish don't have feelings. By the way, I was on the Classically Abbey podcast with Ben Shapiro's sister, Abby Roth, and we spoke about religion, conservatism, and making music in a religious world. She's a classical... Uh, musician. She's a performer as well as I am. And we had a great conversation. I'm going to put a link in the show notes where you can check that out. We spoke about Kol Isha, which was really fascinating. Abby doesn't have a completely Jewish audience. And explaining Kol Isha to people who don't understand that concept, well, that could be a little tricky. So listen to the episode. Let me know how I did on these touchy subjects, on these touchy topics. I'm gonna put a link in my show notes and you're gonna head down there and you're going to subscribe and listen to Classically Abby and let me know your thoughts in the Weekly Squeeze podcast WhatsApp group that is just, well, it's actually been really quiet. I don't know where everybody is. I feel like people are just focusing on school, and the few weeks that we have before Purim and Pesach. So I forgive you if you don't have time, but make sure you are subscribed so that your phone downloads my episodes automatically. And when that magic moment comes, you are ready to be in Hanala's world. Just press play. I just saw a piece of news that I have to share. The King of England, King Charles, uh, went to a mosque in East London and took off his shoes. And as it turns out, There was a hole in a sock. And honestly, that made me a little sad because even the king of England needs a mother to tell him that there's a hole in a sock. That's right. Speaking of holy, God Elbaz. (laughs) See what I did there? Holy God, God, God Elbaz is engaged. That's exciting. He shared on his social media that he is engaged to an Israeli woman named Vered And I'm looking here at his website. There's a whole lot of things going on in God's world. He has another album coming out. It's going to have a digital magazine um, that's going to accompany every download that's going to feature inspiring words from rabbis around the globe about Geula and their personal lives and the Torah. The limited edition Geula Album Magazine is what he's calling it. It has 28 original tracks that include special guest appearances, lyrics of the songs, inspiring messages from rabbis from around the world about the Geula, the redemption. The magazine combines music, words of inspiration, and Jewish art selected by God himself. This is all very high tech. By scanning the barcode, you can support individual rabbis, Jewish artists, the first Jewish Torah and art school, Yoter Or, that's a school in Florida for girls, And the album will be available in 2023, which means any day now. There's also going to be 2,023 copies available that will be limited edition, a collector's item. You could pre-order it now for $360 because God Elbaz is going to have a wife. When you have a wife, life is just expensive. So if you want the Kaula magazine, $360, $360, and it is yours. It does not come with an invitation to his wedding. But if you are a hardcore God Elba's fan, then Chaperine. This is something you will love. It's a beautiful coffee table book, chock full of art and inspirational words from creative Jewish inspirational and holy people all around the world. Okay, I don't know how I managed to give God Elbaz a four-minute free ad. I think I'm going to have to get him on the podcast. I think I'm going to have to get God Elbaz. On the podcast, which is not a big deal because he was my husband's roommate in yeshiva. And we know things about him that he does not want me to disclose. (laughs) We'll see you next week, God. All right. All right. Let's Let's talk about the laundry. I know there's nothing more exciting to talk about than laundry, but this is very important. Did you know that dryer sheets are screwing up your clothes and the environment? Apparently, dryer sheets are really bad for your laundry. And that makes me really sad because I feel very maternal when I'm throwing in laundry sheets. I don't know about you, but it's just like uh, I throw in, you know, like people cook with love. I do laundry with love. I throw in an extra sheet so that my kids should be the best smelling kids in their class. But as it turns out, laundry softener doesn't even make the clothes softer. It just kind of puts a coating on them like moisturizer and that, you know, it makes the fibers of the clothing feel smoother. But in time, it just kind of builds up on the clothing and then the clothing cannot be washed properly. So at the end of the day, using dryer sheets is actually counterproductive. And it's bad for your machine because the film that comes off of the dryer sheets, while it builds up in your dryer. And that can stop the electronic moisture sensor in your drum from working correctly, which could lead to over drying and increasing your utility bill. So these little flimsy dryer sheets that you are buying are essentially ruining your life. They are ruining the world ruining your machine, ruining the clothing, and they're wasteful. And that's if we're doing one load of laundry, but who are we kidding? Most of us are doing much more than that. The solution is to use wool balls that are reusable and biodegradable. They don't have any chemicals in it, and they kind of bounce around in the dryer and soften the clothing naturally and organically. Also, as far as laundry detergent goes, we're all using too much, unless you're using pods. And I don't know if pods are a thing anymore since people started eating them. But you, you don't need more than a tablespoon or two of laundry detergent. So save some money, save the planet, save your clothing, use less detergent, don't use dryer sheets. Your grandmother didn't use dryer sheets in the shtetl and everybody smelled just fine. They got married, didn't they? Yeah, but you never thought about that. Honestly, I'm so over the laundry. I'm ready to throw the towel in, but then I will have to wash that towel. So I continue to do what I have to do to make sure that my children are mavrik, spotless. That's what the second grade teacher told me about my son. He's mavrik. Is he organized? No, but he starts his day off fresh and clean. <laughs> Clearly his parents are American. Uh, another great trick that I've learned from my mother-in-law is to use oven cleaner for stains. Oven cleaner is the best way to get rid of grease spots from your clothing. Will it make a hole if you leave it on too long? Possibly. I don't know. But my mother-in-law uses it, and everybody is wearing grease-free clothing that smells like oven cleaner. Arrow of Pesach. <laughs> please Google if you can actually use oven cleaner. I'm not kidding. The only person I ever saw use oven cleaner on clothing is my mother-in-law and she's just a Sudeikis. So things work out differently for, for for her. So please Google it before you attempt that particularly unsafe Bukharian piece of laundry advice. Okay, really great news coming from WhatsApp on the WhatsApp blog that I visit once in a while. Communities is now available, which basically means they are going to separate all our group conversations so that they're organized, so that we know what's flying, so that we have our family chats and our friend chats and our event chats and our political and social causes chats and and our work chats and our we-don't-want-to-deal-with-this chats. And it's about time, so keep an eye on your phone and let me know when those new community Uh, Groups show up when that option is available. WhatsApp says that it's going to happen globally over the next couple of months. That's not fast enough because Israel's for some reason always last. Um, Part of the update is in chat polls, 32-person video calling. So your entire extended family can be on WhatsApp together in case Zoom is down. And groups with up to 1,024 users which reminds me that you should join the Weekly Squeeze WhatsApp chat where a lot of fascinating conversations take place and where comments are self-destructive. After 24 hours, your embarrassing comment will disappear forever. I'm looking forward to this new um, upgrade on WhatsApp. I like the idea of this community thing where you can have 5,000 members in a community announcement group. That is wild. Oh, boy. We are going to be stuck with our phones forever, Clearly. All right, the good news is that a lot of great people are creating great content that you can watch on your phones, and that brings me to my guest today, Malki Knopfler, and that is M-A-L-K-I-E, themalkishow.com, where you can watch a Jewish woman fulfilling a lifelong dream of having her own show. Malki's dream was always to have a platform for her quality kosher entertainment, and that is what she did. And if you don't believe me, go see it for yourself. There are 10 episodes from season one of The Maki Show. She has all kinds of incredible guests. And the reason that I'm having her on the podcast is because she's coming to Israel. She's coming to Israel with her team, with her crew, to film season two of The Maki Show here in the Holy Land. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be a guest. I'm really looking forward. And I figured it would be a good opportunity for me to get to know Maki a little better now that she's an accomplished uh, variety show host she did a great job. The reviews have been tremendous. Her fans are super impressed by the commitment she has. Not that we ever underestimated what Maki's capable of, but I got to say, when she announced to the world that she is creating her own talk show, I was skeptical. But after speaking to her, I definitely have a newfound respect for what she's managed to pull off, and I definitely am looking forward to being a part of it. So without further ado, the comic cook, Monkey Knopfler. Malki Knopfler, welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. Thank you so much for being here. What a treat. Hi, thank you for having me. I met you in person only once. Do you remember that? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. It was ages ago. It was at a junction in our careers. I was singing, you were doing your comedy, Bracha Jaffe performed that night, Kineret. I don't know if we exchanged a word between us, but I do have a photo and you're in it. So in that moment in time, uh, we were together.
1: <laughs> I know it, it was the first ever show that I ever did on stage, like for that in that capacity. And I don't know what I was thinking because I was so new in my career. I was nowhere near as advanced in my career as you were. And like, I don't know what I was thinking, but, you know, I'm glad that at least we met each other then. And then, you know, it continued from there. That was a very long time ago.
0: Yeah. Well, well, we're going to talk about what you were thinking because now here you are all these years later and you are the host of your own talk show. You're coming to Israel, from what I hear. Yes. A little birdie told me that's, that's a major. That is major. So let's me let let's just give my audience a perspective of who you are and what you do. So essentially, you're a Jewish woman, a mother, uh, a wife, a daughter-in-law, all those meaningful things that make you multidimensional and deep and interesting. But you're also a working professional comedian at this point, and being an entertainer on social media, it's not as easy as it looks. You need a lot of tools to be able to pull off entertaining people without offending them. And on top of it, you're actually creating a show where you're putting yourself out there in a permanent way to the universe, asking people to pay for the content, which is a fantastic thing that I fully support, Um, So so tell me, what, what would you say makes you unique as a Jewish female performer, and what role has social media played in preparing you for this unique opportunity, being a host of your own show?
1: So I think what makes me unique is the fact that I just keep it real, which is not being unique. It's just being me. And when people tell me, oh, you're so real, I sometimes... I cringe a little because like that's, it's just who I am. And that's who I, I I don't know how to be any other way. So for me, it's like, whatever, this is me. I feel like it's refreshing when women are able to relate to each other. The myriad of things that we go through, like you just said, wife, mother, you know, daughter, and being able to somehow put that all out there for other women to relate to. I feel like that's what makes it unique because I'm doing what everyone is thinking and, um, that's how I started on social media as well with my comedy. I mean, you know, talking about relatable stuff, you know, and trying to be sensitive at the same time and not offending people. Like you said, it's, it's a very fine line. And, and anytime anyone ever told me that I was being somewhat a little bit offensive, especially when it came to, um, food, you know, I learned so much about, uh, food and the diet culture and the sensitivities, like making fun of skinny people is not okay, There's a sensitivity there that, you know, just because I am a chubby woman doesn't mean that I get to make fun of skinny people. It's not like they have it. They don't have it easy either. You know what I'm saying? So, like,
0: I I don't know. I I wouldn't say that they don't have it easier than some of us, but I understand that it could be a sensitive topic if we persistently insist that skinny people are just happier because their bodies are smaller. Yes.
1: Right. So, I guess that's what I was alluding to. I mean, I have done a few things that some people had messaged me like, you know, ouch, that hurt. And I took it down immediately. And, you know, and that's what I like, because that's what I love about my page is that there is a respectfulness that if people have something to say, um, they'll message me and they'll do it in the most beautiful, sensitive way. And I'll be able to learn. And like once in a while, you get a few people that are just not as, you know, sensitive about things. And I'll be like, ouch, that's not the way to talk. But Bar Hashem. For the most part, I think that when you put out truth, people get, uh, reciprocate in the same way. And it's just been really beautiful to meet so many uh, like-minded women from around the world and people. Uh, it's not always easy, like you said. Running a social media page has its ups and downs, a lot of times downs, because when we're creative people, we are our own worst enemies. And I'm sure you could relate to that. When we are putting things out and we're putting content out and we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people when we know that what we're doing is amazing and that we should stop. But unfortunately, we can because that's how we are and that's who we are. And it's just a, it's a it's a juggle. It's a real juggle and it's a struggle. And it's something that it just comes part and parcel with the package. You know what I'm right. saying?
0: Right. And I've always appreciated that about you because you do have a very authentic relationship with your audience and you aren't embarrassed to be vulnerable and expose parts of you that maybe some people would say is not so show businessy, you know? And and that's I think where the relationship develops with your followers when they see the person that's Malky, the talent. The, you know, you have the charisma and you have the humor and the wit and all that pizzazz and charm. But at the same time, you can very quickly get real, whether it's having a moment in your car, whether it's expressing something very difficult that you went through. And that's the balance that I think people can find themselves in. Because they could be like, I don't, I, don't, I don't relate to her because she's hilarious and so talented. But on the other hand, she's just like me in so many ways.
1: People, People confuse hilarious with happy. You know, and they think that I'm happy all the time, which is so not the case. I actually have to work on my happiness a little bit harder than most people. I'm not a naturally happy person. I'm a naturally funny person, which helps me sometimes in my challenges, but it doesn't mean I'm happy. And when I'm not happy, I, I just don't show up. I'll, 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 you know, I'll hunker down and I'll wait for it to pass and I'll work on the things that I need to do to get there. And I'm sure any creative can relate. Every creative has that side to them. Every forget about creative. Every human has that side to them. I don't think anyone besides for Shmira is a naturally happy person. That could, and I'm sure she has her struggles as well. Everyone does, you know. But um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
0: No, 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 not at all. This show is all about interrupting with interesting <laughs> <laughs> thoughts and. <laughs> And uh, streams of consciousness. You know, talking. We can talk about the, uh, you know, your personality and the fact that you are an empath. You know, at great length. But I really want to talk more about how you have, at this point, manifested your career into something so concrete and something so um, profoundly. It, it, you broke a glass ceiling. You really did. Yes. You broke a glass ceiling, and I am hyper aware of of the success that Jewish women have had in the last 20 years. And this was remarkable to me because how many of us in the entertainment world haven't dreamed of having a platform to create something where you can really just break out all the stops? Whatever you can possibly dream of, potentially, you can create. So I want to talk a little more about The Malki Show. 100%. How it um, originated, how you gained the confidence to host a, a program that heavily features your personal style you you effectively carry the show so tell me what went through your mind when the idea was born how you developed it and how you got to a point where you're like i i remember that instagram video you made and i said there's no way she's gonna pull this off i'm not gonna lie i said there's no way she's gonna pull this off but lo and behold you pulled it off you're up to season two so tell me how the idea was born and how you found the confidence to put yourself out there in that way
1: Yeah, so I I tell everybody that, I mean, anyone who asks me this, I say this idea was in my head for a very long time. I actually broached a few different um, organizations to do it together with, like, you know, have them back me. Um, I actually brought it to a few different producers. This We're talking like 15 years ago. And it just nothing came of it. I had an idea. I had an idea to bring on talent, to sheer talent for women to be able to be discovered and women to be um, rejoiced about and, and, and just celebrated, whatever the word is, the word is, uh, the word is celebrated. Like celebrated and just, you know, and it just nothing ever came of it. And I always say the world was not ready. And I feel like since Corona, the whole entertainment um, industry has exploded. And the world just was realizing that You could sit in the comfort of your own home and be entertained and not have to go anywhere. And people are howlishing to be entertained. Now more than ever, we hear of so many more stories than we heard years ago. I mean, every other day I hear another sad thing. This one's going through that. This one's in the hospital. This one... It's just nonstop and 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 more than ever, we need things to be able to rejoice and uplift and entertain people to take their minds off the and even if someone's not going through anything or shadowing, mean, life is hard. I mean, you know, eggs are eight dollars, a carton. I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? And like people are going through it and we just need more light in this world and more, I'm more thinking comedic relief,
0: Yeah, more comedic yeah. release. And,
1: and and just even some people some people get in like entertainment through being inspired. For them, they go away with it, wow, I needed that, you know? And and we really, really, really need more of it. So I was, you know, doing what I do and doing my comedies and in my head, in the back of my head, I'm constantly thinking to myself, like, okay. So I'm being in this one's production. I'm being in this one's on stage. I'm doing this for this person. I'm doing this for that person. I'm doing some comedies here and there. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing on Instagram. But but why can't I make my own thing? Like, why can't I just take my idea from back then and bring it now? Like, let's see if this could work. And literally from when I literally verbalized it to eight weeks later, we had our first show.
0: When you verbalized it that day, did you have a plan? I had no plan. That is, remarkable. I knew remarkable. what I wanted. I had a vision. That is remarkable.
1: Um, and I still have no plan. I'll be honest with you. I literally just, <laughs> I uh, we every single time we put out a show, we're like, well, like we did it again. You know, honestly, really, I, I wish I could say that I have a plan and I have a this and you know, and Abby, my friend, you know, Abby, she she came over to my house a few days after we announced it. She's like, Malki, you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. And for me, I am not a businesswoman. You know, Khanel, like you are very talented in the fact that you are a creative, but you also have that business head.
0: It's more than know-how, like the technological know-how. Like I figured out yeah. how, how to get things done from A to Z. Yeah,
1: you're very good at that. But for me, I'm not. And when I can't understand something, it's very hard for me to work in that way. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. The way that it makes sense for me. Who said it has to be A, B, C? It could be A, Z, G, F. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, it has to have some sort of plan, but like, I honestly had no clue what I'm doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. I just know that people stop me and clutch my hands and tell me, whatever you're doing, don't stop. Whatever you're doing, don't stop. Because if you would believe, if you would understand what your show is doing, for us, for my family, for my daughter or whatever, you would just continue till you, you just can't anymore, you know, and like and, and, and many months I wonder, like, how are we continuing like the costs are astronomical and, and every time we pull through, we pull through somehow and um, and Baruch Hashem, I'm just so grateful for, you know, my family, my husband who's supporting me, uh, Simi, my producer I, I wouldn't be able to do it without all of them. Obviously. I'm just, I had the idea. I brought it to fruition and um, I put myself out there. I'll tell you, it's, it's scary. It's scary to put yourself out there on, on this kind of uh, scale level. I will say this and kind of this. I've never said, and I'll say this, especially on your platform. I was going to wait until I could lose weight to put myself out there. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't do this." Like, I mean, I'm gonna sit there like a a, a plumpy, you know, whatever, in with my chair, and I'm three cameras on me, every with, single with, uh, angle exposed, way more than three cameras on me from every single angle. And I was like, "No way, I'm not. I have to lose weight first." And then I said, "Really, really? If 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 you would have said that for everything you did so far in your life, you would be you would you would be nowhere." If you would have waited to lose weight to go into Shadochim, you would still probably not married. If you would have waited for, how can you take something that you've never cared about and make it into an issue now? Absolutely not. I told, I like, I had many talks in my head about this. And I was like, there's no way. I mean, you just gotta do it. And you just gotta go. And I, and I said, you know what? It is what it is. This is me. This is me. What, what am I trying to do? Like hide a fact that like, this is me. This is me right now in this moment. I am a few sizes larger than I was a few years ago. And we're always going to be up and down. Like, like, what kind of messages that sending to people that you should wait, you should wait till you feel like you're your ideal weight to go and do something big. You can't, you can't do that. So I said, we're doing it.
0: Well, I think that's very, very powerful. Because one of the biggest inhibitions that people have when it comes to stepping out from behind the the filter onto an HD screen. And I do that for a living. I've done it many, many times, is how exposed you feel. Like suddenly you are under the spotlight. Everything you thought you knew, you forgot. There are so many things going on around you. There are so many uh, cues that you have to meet. And there's so many expectations from the team of people around you. And that's one of the challenges that I've always had. I always struggle to delegate and accept uh, people's assistance in any area of my life because a part of me feels like I don't even deserve it. If I do it myself, then I have no one to answer to. But if I have a team of people working for me, you know, then I have to earn it. Then I have to be worthy of these people spending time on me and my talent. So I have to show up and do a great job. So that's a lot of pressure. And that's something that I found really, really impressive. I also find it remarkable that you're saying that you don't have really a head for the production side of things because there is a lot going on on that stage. And I want to talk about that for one second. The Creating, technical part. Well, you don't have to know how to use the cameras and all that stuff. And I'm sure you're not editing post-production, but essentially you do have to create the concept and the content and you have to sit down and there's some you know, pre-production, You know, whether it's deciding how many cameras what angles there are where people are walking in on stage and that kind of stuff that you think you don't care about until you watch it back and you think hmm, I should have done it differently oh yeah right so you definitely learn been a lot
1: of learning on on the fly a lot noticing where's the best place for the camera noticing you know which angle is best for my chair I mean the first few episodes if you'll see my cheer was a such a it was like it's such a bad angle that like I look like, you know, they say that the camera adds 10 pounds. Like, I look like 30 pounds
0: more than I was. And like... Right. And it's very devastating. It's devastating you know? because it's avoidable.
1: And people say, oh, but I thought you're confident in the way you look. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I need to look worse. Like, it doesn't mean that I have to accept the fact that I, I look, you know, more than I have to look. You know what I'm saying? So, like there's a lot of things that we learned on experience and we're still learning and I am just grateful that we're learning from our mistakes and we're fixing them. And, um, it's, 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 it's not easy. And, uh, every time we get a show together and we, we actually shoot, I'm like still flabbergasted that we're still doing it. Let me just say, I mean, it's, 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 it's been quite it's a ride. But you
0: have a great team. You have a great team. You have producers. You have directors. Yes. You're writing. You have good technicians. You have good hosts. I've I've spoken to. I don't to- have it.
1: All I have is uh, my producer, Hmm. Well,
0: she's all husband. those roles. <laughs> and she's, she's so much. Exactly. Yes. She's
1: one person with a few uh, people in her. Exactly. And like. She is, she gets things done and Bar Hashem, like I said, like, you know, that's, that's, she's, she's great at what she does. She really is amazing. And the fact is, is that we're able to come to Israel to do this is like, you know, because you, it's wild. you I'm sure for you with your talk show, sometimes you're like, okay, what you cover a lot of current events. I've, you know, you, you're able to cover things that are actually happening. But for us, we're like, Okay, who are we having on? And also, I have to be really careful. Like, I, I I have young, impressionable children watching my show. I actually put this out for women. Like, originally, it was something for women and for girls to enjoy. I didn't think little kids are going to be watching my show. I mean, they're loving it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So, like, when we wanted to talk about mental health or eating disorders or sh- the sh- the sh- uh crisis and stuff, there's a lot of things where I'm like, hold on a second. Like, if I if I do this, like it's not going to be a show for, for children, you know, it has to be family friendly, really told the line where it's family friendly. Exactly. And it's, it's everything it's entertaining and it's uh, inspiring. And sometimes there are going to be issues um, and episodes that are a little bit more inspiring than funny. And some, some episodes are way funnier than inspiring, but at least we always make sure that there is a combination. So there's something for everybody And that's what's important to me. I want people to find their entertainment in the way that speaks to them. And that's right. what I was something that I was very cognizant about that. I wanted people to be able to enjoy whether through laughter or through inspiration, you know, that was very important to
0: me. Right. Well, it's very, it's very high energy. That's consistent in every single episode. It's very high energy. And I think that comes across and people don't feel like there's too many spaces where they're waiting for something to happen. I like when things are every second, snap your finger, roll, roll, keep moving. Let's go. And and <laughs> yeah. you def- and that's part of being an entertainer. And that's the, the, yeah. the skill that you bring to the table, your experience that, you know, that the audience has to be completely captivated consistently throughout the show. But what areas have you found that you're weaker, let's say, than you expected in, in terms of your abilities and your capabilities? And in which areas have you exceeded your expectations? Like, I know every time I perform and I challenge myself and I do something different. Maybe the band is different. Maybe the material is different. Maybe the location, the crowd, the music video, the format. You know, there are those moments when I suddenly am filled with self-doubt right as I'm performing. You wouldn't know it, but I'm thinking to myself, am I adequately prepared? Am I everything I thought I would be? Here I am. It's live. And maybe it's just a fantasy. Maybe I'm not really meant to do this. Like, did you have those moments?
1: You know what? Is it, is it my biggest struggle? My biggest struggle is my memory, honestly. I mean, I don't know if I should blame it on corona or aging, but my memory is scarily, scarily bad. You mean and your I short-term scarily, memory?
0: Your short-term memory.
1: Yeah, my short-term memory. I can think of an idea and blink, and I, two seconds later, it will be gone from my brain, and I will literally try to claw my way back To figure out what that idea was. And to remember what it was. It's scary, scary, scary. And for me, I was like, oh, my gosh. Not only do, you know, am am I a larger woman. But I have a memory problem. And I'm going to go and do a show. Where I need to be on the fly. I have to remember my things. Okay, so the first time we tried a teleprompter. I mean, how am I supposed to be natural? While going cross-eyed By looking at the thingy. I mean, it it was, it was very, very hard for me. I felt very like pulled into many different directions. And when you're trying to deliver, it's very hard to feel that way. You need to feel
0: relaxed. Yeah. You don't and, want pressure. Yeah. And, you don't and be, for me yeah. to
1: have to read from the teleprompter, it's o- was, you need coordination. Oh my, oh my gosh. It was crazy. So I said, okay, no more teleprompters. And then I was like, you know what, Malky, what would happen if you have cue cards? nobody's gonna be upset at you that you didn't know it by heart no you're only human and if anything if i look down and i look and whatever we could edit that out you know what i'm saying like so i accepted upon myself to take my cue cards write down my my notes the problem is, is that half the time i get so into the monologue that i forget to look down on my notes yeah but well, you, half you, of it you out. trust
0: that you're a natural and you trust that you can yeah so talk off the time. cuff right Right. Yeah. So so that's what
1: happened. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to say this. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. I forgot. I mean, that's what we always end up doing. But that has been my biggest challenge. And like sitting in the chair, making sure that I'm asking the right questions so that we're able to get the right information. Sometimes we go off the cuff here because I'm like, you know what? I like this discussion. Let's continue with this. And Simi's like, he didn't say that. I'm like, Simmy, I felt like we <laughs> trust- needed to discuss this more. You have more. to
0: trust Malky.
1: You, you have to, have to yeah, trust Malky. And like, and sometimes I'm right. And sometimes I, you know, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, but now we don't have that part. But like, you know what it is? It, like I said, every single time, it's a learning curve. It, every single time I learn something from it. I brought Hashem, I don't have that feeling of like, Oh, my gosh, I don't deserve to be here. I have the feeling of Oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're doing this, you know, and that's what I feel. And like, I still it, it's a huge cost. It's a huge cost to be able to do it and have my family support. You know, it is not easy, like I said, and. After a show, I am literally not a human being for two days after because of all the output that we have to put out, the energy that comes out from after a show being on, like you said, yeah, for all the that endorphins. time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my gosh! And then when I come home, I am finished. Completely I cannot drained. feel myself yeah. physically. I am like drained to the last bit, and it takes me a good few days to get back to myself. So, so
0: I really put my you're sorry, leaving, Michelle, my yeah you're leaving a hundred percent on the stage.
1: Oh yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. I yeah. give it all.
0: And w- and what areas did, did have you completely impressed yourself? Like, have you found any new skills that you maybe didn't think that you had in you?
1: I think it's a combination of a lot of different of my a lot of you know a lot of my talents. I mean, I put out a music video. I mean, that's right. That's right. It was part of my episode episode four where we spoke about challenges in high school and how you need you need to give your children outlets so that they don't feel like school is the only place that they need to succeed and if they don't then they're a failure you know Um, that music video I still can't believe I did it I'm not a singer I love singing but I'm not a singer for me that was like wow I can't believe I did that but I feel like the, the show is a culmination of a lot of my different parts of me and I definitely had to become more of a businesswoman, stand up for myself there have been people that have had comments of certain things I had to really you know get Develop a, a thicker a skin better backbone and and thick skin, which is something I'm still working on because I take it very personally, and uh, it's not easy. But Baruch Hashem, like I said, I'm learning new things every day.
0: And that's part of your experience. That's what what, what you're enjoying so much. I see that. You're, you're somebody who learns and grows and you take in your environment and you internalize it. So I'm sure meeting all these people and having all these conversations and trying all these new experiences have been just so just opened your mind and your heart in so many ways. On that note, can you share one or two, let's say, heart in your throat moments that you had? or some incredible experiences you had with guests where like a, a moment of magic transpired that you weren't expecting?
1: Uh, season, um, episode two, season one, I had a guest that I met on Instagram. She is a woman going through her gay roast process. Her name is Barbara. She um, messaged me one day out of the blue, randomly telling me that she she watches me. She, she loves watching me. She wants to know what Hasidos I am. So I thought she was just a regular because her name is Barbara Galizia. It sounds Jewish. Never did I think that she was um, a Spanish Catholic or Christian. I always mix up the two. Woman who who was really, really going through her, her gay rose process, you know. And we became friends. And she actually came to my show. Talk about her journey. She shared her journey. And she was still not completed with her process at the time of my show. And she's still going through the process. She had to move her entire life to a different location so that uh, the base in could be, uh, you know, in contact with her and everything. And it's unbelievable that we are doing this today because last night she called me that she finally got a date for the base din. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very long process. We hear stories of people going through their process of gay and we're like, Oh, okay. She read the book. She did the classes. She, and then she went to the base and all boom, 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 you know, like whatever. Oh my gosh, this is a, a process of two years, she oh, yeah. is clawing her way to this moment where she can be, she can call herself a Jew. And it's like so inspiring to me, so amazing. And last night she literally called me that. She finally, after all this time, finally got a date to meet with the Basin uh, to, to find out when is her, her, um, her, gay her date. Was, her
0: conversion, her race. And
1: um, it, it this moment and the fact that she came on my... You don't know how many people she inspired with her story. People told me they they watched it with their daughters, and they're like, "Wow, like she's she's really trying so hard to become a Jew." And I was born a Jew. Like, how lucky am I? You know, it's like it's unbelievable. And so I just wanted to give everyone this update. Whoever's going to be hearing, I don't know when you're going to be um, broadcasting this, but um, is it coming tomorrow?
0: Out? Oh, yeah i don't mess around. This is a weekly squeeze, twice a week we have episodes. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to ask you a question by the way. So, the weekly squeeze. Is it because you're giving the juice about the juice? That is correct. It is the juice about <laughs> the juice. You are spot on. <laughs> you know, I love the name. I think it's adorable. You know, I love a play on words. I love a good play on words. I think Thank it's you. very smart.
0: Thank and you.
1: it's um it's very entertaining. I've also listened and it's really great. You have great content on here. And it's hard. It's hard to constantly come up with stuff. I'm sure you can relate to that. you know. I mean, but- I
0: have my moments, but like you said, I take away a lot from the people I talk to. And mm. I, it, I'm very proud to be able to give a platform to so many incredible voices that are being heard through me and connected to me oh, yeah. because you play a role in, in all your guests' experiences by making them feel comfortable, by saying the right things to them, by helping them share their stories or just their talents or whatever it might be it's the environment that they're in that allows them to shine and like you said when we first started talking about why you did this you know one of the first things you said is that you're you were always interested in helping other women shine alongside you this wasn't just Maki and nobody else and i think that's what's so beautiful about the show you are spotlighting so many talented people that might have oh, yeah. never had the opportunity to to have that platform or to express themselves in such a professional way that there's a million podcasts and there's a million Instagram lives, but a real quality talk show made by talented women is a very special and unique experience for people. So I think it's wonderful that your doors are open and then you're open to talking to all kinds of interesting people. And I look forward to being on the show, but before we, before I even let you go, so you can, not plan the production that we're having here. What could we expect from season two? Um, you're coming to Israel. When was the last time you were here? How do you plan oh to incorporate? My it's been a while.
1: It's. I, I've only been in Israel one time, and that Stop was only it. because of a wedding. Stop it. If my, if my sister-in-law had not gotten married in Israel, I would still not have been there.
0: How long are you going to be here?
1: Um, we're going to be there, I
0: think, 10 days. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I'm so excited. Okay.
1: Really so excited. I I can't begin to tell you, like, when we heard that we're coming finally to do, um, you know, we're we're shooting Malky, Weingarten's uh, movie, and then me and Simi were like, oh, my gosh, like, we need to do a Malky show in Israel so that we can have people that, like, wouldn't be able to be on it otherwise. And I am so excited about it because we have such amazing episodes planned. I uh, I am so looking forward to seeing you, Hanala. Like, really, really, really. Thank Finally, you. Thank you. we'll be on the same stage again. Yeah. So yeah, many I'm looking years later. Mm-hmm. After, uh, I mean, like I said, your career was already exploded at that point, but when we actually saw each other for the first time. But I'm excited to be on the stage together as fellow creatives and, and just share the stage with many other amazing people. I am so excited about it. People are going to have to stay tuned, but the next three episodes of the Malki Show are going to have a distinct, is really amazing flavor. And uh, just, I, I, I can't wait for the Malki Show to just permanently land in Eretz Yisrael uh, with the coming a Mashiach in Heribi, I mean, you know? Like, Amen.
0: Amen. Beautiful. Seriously,
1: so excited. I, um, I'm really looking forward to being in Eretz Yisrael and and celebrate my 40th birthday at the coastal which I'm
0: going to That's be crazy.
1: on my Hebrew birthday. Rosh Chodesh Adar is my Hebrew birthday. And we're going to be at the coastal on that day. We're shooting on that day at the coastal. And I'm going to be able to be there. I'm so, so grateful for this opportunity. I am so excited. um, a little sad that I won't be with my family for my 40th, but they'll,
0: they'll forgive you. You'll forgive them. Where can people find you? I know you're the comic cook on Instagram. I'm going to put a link to your show in the show notes. <sighs> the
1: monkey show. Uh, we, we appreciate everybody's support. We really do. Thank you, everybody, for the love and the support. And we just keep doing this because we know how much it means to everybody. And um, if you know anybody that would be an amazing guest on the show, please let us know because we're always looking for someone that... Uh, my dream is to find also the ordinary the, the the ordinary woman that deserves to be spoken about that is doing amazing things and like nobody knows about but these people don't want to be featured and they don't want to be shown and like my dream has been to like bring out a humongous check like you know the the talk show people do and say this is for you take this buy yourself a new car. Or I don't know what, but,
0: you know, so far we <laughs> we need sponsors for that. I bless you that that should become a real possibility. And you never know. Listen, keep the dream alive. I would have never imagined that we'd be here today, that I'd be joining you on stage, you know, a few minutes from my house. I'm super excited. The sky is the limit if you have a dream. So thank you for continuing to inspire us, Malki. I wish you much, Hatzlacha. And I will see you in Ben-Gurion very soon. <laughs>
1: thank you so much for having me looking forward and um and enjoy and watch the malki show and listen to the weekly squeeze I don't know, every time I hear the name though, like I flinch a little because I feel like my mother's giving me a little pinch, you know, that's what you always used to do to me. My show it
0: gives my show gives pinches. We we do not <laughs> mess around. We're not scared over here. It sometimes well, a pinch it hurts. A pinch sometimes it there. hurts, but it's worth it. All right, monkey. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, take care. Thank you, Hanala. Well. Today you have it episode eighty-four of the weekly squeeze. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to check out my show notes. Check out okayclarity.com's website and discover a world of healthcare at your fingertips. Leave me a five-star review, drop my show in your WhatsApp chats, stay safe wherever you are, and I will see you on Monday.